This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Oh, isn't it good to serve the Lord? I love being a Christian. I'm just telling you right now. I mentioned it, but I, I wasn't raised a Christian. And um, one of the first things I noticed when I gave my life to Christ is that I didn't go to bed anymore with darkness. I didn't have that dark feeling. I didn't have evil voices talking to me. Seriously. Now, everybody's got their own story, but I'm telling you, that was my story. I used to go to bed every night wondering, you know, sometimes am I going to make it through the night? Or, You know, you know what else? Um, I knew that the way I was living as a sinner boy was ashamed of my mama. I knew that. And I didn't want to shame my mama. I wanted my mama to be proud of me. And so, you know, I go to bed every night saying to myself, I didn't know the Lord, but I just, wow, I know my mama's ashamed of me. I don't blame her, you know. But what can I do about it? You know, you you and me, we, we've got the power of God, man. We know things people don't know. See, raised sinner, no church. I went to church one time, and that was to get married. But believe me, that was for picture-taking purposes only. Amen. I'm not proud of it. It's just how we were raised as pagans. And then you learn these wonderful things. And I met the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's, that's our goal, guys. We can't just have people meet the church. You're the church, and you're wonderful. And I hope everybody meets you. Even our young people, our own young people growing up in church, we just can't have a deal where they meet our music and they meet our pastor and, and they even meet the book we preach. They somehow, we have to lead them to have an encounter with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is amazing once that happens, everything begins to change in your life. <laughs> hey, say what you want to. I'm a living witness of the resurrection power and the delivering power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. Praise God. All right, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30. Yeah, amen. Wow, you've been practicing. 1 Samuel 30. Come on, let's study a few minutes together, and we'll see what all the Lord has for us before our evening is done. Praise God. I want to... Uh, I, I want to obey God. The Lord really dealt with me this afternoon to teach a little bit on how to beat discouragement. How do you beat discouragement? Well, first of all, what is discouragement? Discouragement is when your soul gives up its courage. There's discourage, there's courage, and there's encourage. So, uh, you know, you can... Uh, you can lose your courage. I learned this from being a Marine leader, uh, a combat Marine leader, that inside of every human being, male, female, young, not so, there is two elements in the core of your soul. You can be a coward if you so choose to, or you can be a courageous, we call them heroes or champions. Inside of you and me rest both elements. There are no born cowards. And there are no born heroes. You and I, 
at any given time, when the giants rise up to challenge our life, you can reach inside your soul and you can grab your courage and face that life-threatening event, or you can grab a hold of that handle called cowardice and you can you can just cower down, hide, run, and that devil is going to clean your clock. Even the devil does not respect cowardice. The devil does not respect quitters. Therefore, he will overcome you in a heartbeat. Wow. So here is our text in 1 Samuel 30. It's about King David, great warrior, this man. And verse 6 says, And David was greatly distressed. That's pretty heavy duty. Not a little distressed. Not a bad hair day. He's greatly distressed. But wait, wait, here's why. For the people spoke of stoning him. What? Listen, when your own people want you dead, that could mess you up. This isn't an enemy that wants him dead. His own people. But, but, but look a little closer, will you? For the people spoke of stoning him. Now, Brother Barclay, why would they do that? Read. Because, this is why, because the soul of the people were grieved, every man for his sons and, uh, and his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. What did he do? Remember, there's discourage, where you leak courage. Then there's courage. Then there's encourage, where you resupply, or you cling to something that brings that Fight back to you. Discouragement will take the fight away from you. Every I don't care who you are. Toughest guy in here. You get discouraged, you lose your heart to fight. You might still fight out of training or commitment to the brethren, but you lose your heart to fight. So being encouraged is strong. Do you remember the first thing God ever said to Joshua? What do you remember when he was taken over for Moses? Don't you be afraid. Be of good courage. Amen. Don't be discouraged. And then it says this other word. Oh, you ought to study out this other word. God says to Joshua, don't be dismayed. Dismay is a little different than discouraged. Discouragement is in your soul. Dismay is like this gray cloud that tries to hover over you, that no matter what you try to do is gloominess. You can't, you can't hardly see the future. You can't see the, you know, as we call it, the light at the end of the tunnel. It's just like, and then people get this, well, what's the use? Everything I do, I don't know where to turn. What am I going to do now? I mean, I can't get out of this. That's dismay. And if dismay ever sets in, you got a battle on your hands. And by the way, if it has, you better get in the Word of God, be found at the altar of God, and run for help from the pastorate as fast as you possibly can. And get that thing broken off your life. And get it dismissed. Because dismay is an outward thing. Discouragement is an inward thing. You have to deal with discouragement. There's not a lot we can do to help you besides alert you and teach you how to get out of it. But you got to do it. But dismay, we can all gang up on that thing. And we can stand with you to get that gluminous cloud off of you. Do you know why? I read it to you. Do you know why they wanted to 
kill David. They weren't mad at David. It wasn't a David thing. Their heart was grieved. They were concerned for their family. You know, Cain did not kill his brother Abel because he had a problem with Abel. He had a problem with God. There's no sign that he was really mad at his brother. He was mad at God. But how do you kill God? How do you fight with God? So somehow he took it out on his brother. Next time somebody wants to take something out on you and attacks you, whether it's something as silly in kindergarten as D-Facebook or SpewTube or something like that, you know, little kindergarten stuff that people go to, uh, or it might be a real attack, just remember they probably don't really have any problems with you or your church. They might have with your God, but it isn't with you. But when people's hearts get grieved and they don't like themselves, they certainly don't like anybody else. Now, that won't necessarily make them go away, but it'll sure help you to deal with it. Give someone a high five and say, man, that was worth the offering right there. Praise the Lord. Glad I gave something. Amen. Are you listening to me? I um, I was in um, Israel. I, I've done a lot of work over the years in Israel and taken people and taken preachers. And not too long ago, uh, you know, a couple of years back or so, I can't remember when it was, but um, Rick Santorum, if you know that name, he ran for president once. He's a very close friend of mine, and he wanted to go to Israel. But the war was on from Gaza, and the airport was closed. Mr. Obama closed uh, the, basically the Tel Aviv airport. So, you know, through some, you know, talking and maneuvering, and we uh, nine of us went over to the combat zone and uh, to stand with uh, the prime minister and let them know, you know, that, uh, that we're standing with you. You're not alone. And we're not just going to let bad people come and take over uh, the Holy Land, as we call it. Still with me? And uh, it remind I ran into somebody, because you know I've been there so many times over the years. And many years ago, back, I think it was like 1981, uh, with Jordan Universities, I started, we started, Jordan Universities and myself and another preacher, we started the first Christian kibbutz ever in Israel, because a kibbutz is like a commune, a farming commune. And uh, it's against the law to be a Christian and live and earn a living like that in Israel. And so it, uh, when I met this guy, it reminded me of those days. And I was reminiscing and I remembered something that a priest told me that was, uh, that was one of the uh, teachers at uh, the university. He said, you know, you American preachers, you preach all the time on David and Goliath. It's one of your favorite stories. I said, well, yeah, it's one of mine. That's triumphant, man. You, you know, and, I, and if you've ever been, some of you are, if you've ever been in the valley of the shadow of death, I've been in the valley of the shadow of death many times where death was there, the spirit of the death was there. That, that's what tried to get on your pastor when he got this first diagnosis. You, you notice this, the, this faith couple just, just, double dog daring Goliath to pick his sword up and claiming their God. And you too, you're standing with them, right? Of course, we're winning that battle now. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. 
We got Goliath now down on two knees. It's just a matter of getting the sword and cutting it off, cutting the head off. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, we were talking about this, and he said, uh, you know, when David went out to take on Goliath, number one, he's not a trained soldier. He's not a military guy. He's, he's more like the pizza delivery boy. You know, he's, he's bringing bread and cheese and whatever from his daddy to his brothers who were in the army in uniform hiding in a foxhole or whatever kind of hole they called it in those days. And Goliath got so tired of chancelling them, he sent, he sent someone else to be his spokesman. And uh, I like this young David. First thing he says is, uh, what does the guy get that kills that big mouth? What do you, what, what's the reward? That's pretty cool, isn't it? What do I get if I go shut him up? So he goes out. Remember, I'm talking to this uh, Jewish uh, Hebrew priest. So he says, now, he, this young man goes out into the field of battle. And you know what it says, Reverend, to me. It's, he said, he began to announce that I fought the lion and I fought the bear. And, uh, and I'm taking, and you're, you know, I'm after your head today. Is what the Hebrew Bible says. I said, yeah. He said, well, you, you all preach it like he was talking to the giant. I said, well, yeah. He said he wasn't. He's talking to himself. I said, what? He said, what did he take to battle with him? I said, well, he took a, a sling, a weapon. He picked up five smooth stones, you know, water washed and, and such, that, so they have the best ballistic pattern, you know, to fly through the air. And then uh, he had a staff. And the, you know what else it says he had? A shepherd's bag. Very interesting. So he's got a shepherd's bag. If it was 2018, he'd have a backpack. He had a shepherd's bag. And uh, he said... It was a known thing that when the shepherds who lived in the field, they would use that stick mostly to, to beat the serpent, to, to knock off the wolf or the, the predator, you know, to poke and, and just, then they'd pull the knife if they had to and just kill the animal, the, the lion or the bear or whatever. If, that, if it won't spook off, you got to eliminate it. I said, yeah. He said, well, every time they did that, on the back of their staff, their stick, they would carve a picture of their victory. So we don't know what else was carved on the back of David's stick. But certainly there was a sign of a bear, and he had carved in the sign of a, of a mountain lion. And uh, we, I don't know, there could have been some viper snake on there or, or a wolf. We don't, we don't know what else. But he said when he went out to face that giant, he was talking to himself and declaring before his God, I fought the lion and I fought the bear and, and I'm after your head today. In other words, I'm going to engrave your head, you unclean Philistine, right here above this lion on my stick. Goliath wasn't very impressed. Goliath yells to Saul and the Hebrew army, and he said, the giant says, what am I? What, 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 what am I, a dog? 
that you send a boy with a stick to what, scare me off? David flashed back right in the midst of uh, the battle, right in the valley of the shadow of death, right when... See, the Goliath story preaches real good to you and me, but Goliath was death. Goliath was death. Goliath threatened their life. It's not just a cool Bible story. You ever had anything threaten your life before? Anybody in here, a combat veteran that's ever been in real war with bullet shot and bombs going off and the enemy chasing you and wanting your life? Uh, I've been in the valley of the shadow of death on multiple times as a Marine. But wait a minute. I was in the valley of the shadow of death when they told my wife in 2008 that she had cancer and it was going to kill her. I was in the valley of the shadow of death not too long after that when my daughter developed some weird blood thing. And they said, uh, that's just going to decrease and decrease until she can't function and she'll die. I was in the valley of death once again when they pronounced to my daughter-in-law that she had a weird form of female cancer and that it was probably going to kill her because it kills most women. Then I was in the valley of the shadow of death another time, not too much time after that, when my granddaughter died in our pool. And you can tell the difference of being through, going through some battle and having death as the fog and the cloud overshadowing that day. You and I got to learn how to dismiss that dude. I learned. You probably have too. But we got to learn to get rid of that spirit of death. Are you listening to me? Is that why you're quiet? Yeah. This is the, Death is for real. He's like the buzzards in the old John Wayne movie. You know, they always have, they never have two. They always have like 20. And they always look up in the heat of the day. The buzzards have come to eat our body as if you care if you're dead. But sure made a good movie. But the devil's like that buzzard. The, 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 the spirit of death will hover over you and get you to try to obey. Now, if you can learn how to beat it, I'm, I come out of Vietnam. I, 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 did, uh, I didn't just come home. I said I come out of Vietnam. I got a card. I got, I got 21 months of Vietnam carved on the back of my stick because I'm not haunted by it. I'm not driven by it. I don't stay up at night about it. I beat that enemy. And I, I not only came home physically, but I left Vietnam in Vietnam only by the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and knowing how to beat that stinking enemy. But I feel bad for You can clap once. Go ahead. You started to clap. Amen. Now... For, for a lot, many times the U.S. government has asked me if I would do something for veterans, which I do on my own. But I said, no, no, you all lie to us. You want to drug us. You want to pronounce disease over us. You don't. The only deliverance is called Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 
and the holy word of God and the washing of the water of the word of God, or you're just postponing and, and wow, so no, I won't do it. Now turn me loose. Let me do what I want to. We're going to help a lot of veterans or whoever we're doing. Uh, well, my wife didn't die in 2008. In fact, cancer died in 32 days. My daughter didn't die. Uh, my, my daughter-in-law with her cancer, she got totally healed and delivered. She didn't die. And believe it or not, my little grandbaby got raised from the dead, uh, at our swimming pool. And so we learn something as you walk through life. Listen to me. Every square inch of this planet, Satan has declared a war zone. You may not have, but he has. You may think you can go home and let your hair down and not be a Christian there. You may think you can come in here and not be a Christian. I mean, not fight. But I'm going to tell you something. The devil has declared the whole earth a combat zone. And he takes no days off. So in these last of the last days, we've got to be able to beat this enemy and just keep carving the symbols on the back of our staff. So you build a testimony. Hey, no test, no testimony. I like my pastor was John Osteen for many years. And brother, I never went to Lakewood Church as a member because I was already in the ministry. But brother Osteen would say, the devil provides the test and God provides the money. Isn't that a great little saying? You build a te- your life is a testimony. My life is a testimony of how little our enemies are and how big our God is. I was thinking about the, it's, rem- it's amazing what you remember. Do you ever hear the story of the big bad wolf and the three little pigs? Have you? Anybody at all? Okay. Do, Raise your hand back up. Everybody raise your right hand and say, I will tell nobody he told that story tonight. <laughs> you will not go home and say, what did he preach on? The big bad wolf and the three little pigs. <laughs> but my grandma taught me that when I was just a kid. And uh, I learned, walking with God, that the devil literally wants to huff and puff and blow your house down. But he knows if you resist him, Christian, he can't. He can't. He can't. He's just going to keep huffing and puffing. So the minute Goliath stands up, whatever it is, attack your ministry, attack your family, attack your church, attack your pastor, attack your lover, your uh, uh, your children, your household, your money. He don't care what can. The minute Goliath stands up and says, who wants to fight? Don't hide in any holes. Just start your way down the valley of the shadow of death and say, I'll meet you. Get your gear on. My God's about to show up. Praise God. My God's about to show up. Shout once real good. Amen. Amen. Now, now, uh, this, this is a great verse in Deuteronomy 8. Go there with me. Deuteronomy. Am I helping you at all? I want to. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Praise God. I'm not just talking big. This is how we're supposed to live. We're the soldiers of the cross. We're God's army. Praise God. 
Praise God. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Verse 2, you can read the whole text later, it's powerful. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness. Huh? I'm telling you tonight, if you want to build your courage back up and learn how to encourage yourself, yourself, you know, encourage yourself in the Lord, you're going to have to look back at all the ways that the Lord your God has moved for you before. Because that is easily forgotten in the time of trouble. You know, I mean, thank God you got a brain, but hang on a second. Your brain's the only thing, actually it's your mind, but it's the only thing that creates enmity between you and God. Not your liver, not your eyes, not your ears, not your kidneys. It's your brain. It's your mind that works inside your brain that causes this great wrestling and division with God. And uh, your brain, your mind, only goes to two things automatically. What it wants... And what it fears. Your mind will never automatically go to anything else. You have to make it go there. You have to watch something. Remember something. Call something to the surface. Someone else will say something that will remind you of something. And you pull it out of your memory. But as far as your brain just drifting. Your brain will will never drift to victory. It will never drift to triumph. It always drifts to what it wants. Or it drifts to what it's afraid of. It's amazing that you can ha- you can grow up having victory after victory, you know, blessings after blessings. But the one thing you'll remember when you're 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 years old is the one event in the ninth grade that hurts you the most. And some people take that all the way to the grave. But my Bible says... The blood of Jesus Christ purges our conscience from those things that would postpone our life. Amen. So, if we want to beat our enemies, shut up Goliath, whatever his name might be in your life, we're going to have to stop and look back and count our blessings and remember how the Lord has led us. Now, that's hard to do when you're in combat. When you're in trouble. Because when you're in trouble, your brain don't work right. Your, your thinking isn't crystal clear. Like, like you're, and that adds to the whole deal. So we're going to have to follow these verses and look back and say, yeah, that's right. That's how the Lord led me. Oh, that's right. That's how I got out of that thing. That's right. We had a worse problem than this, honey. And look, remember what God did? Remember that person God sent? Remember, we thought we were going to, and, and then here came that, what do we call them? A miracle, a breakthrough, a deliverance, a just in the nick of time blessing, a blessing. It's amazing how big God is. And, and if we ever sat and told our story, listen, if just the people in this room, if we said we're going to do nothing else, but just sit around and tell 
everything God has done for us to heal us, deliver us, finance us, get us out of darkness, get us out of a pinch. You know, we thought we were done, but look what God did. Uh, listen, there wouldn't be enough time between now and the rapture. If we all start looking back, if we all start looking back and say, well, wait a minute, let me tell you what the Lord did for me once. That's what David is saying when, when you know, when he was talking to Goliath. And, and, and that's what it means when David encouraged himself in the Lord. Not Budweiser. Not marijuana. You know what the problem with Budweiser and marijuana when you medicate yourself for your problems? The giant's not drinking with you. And so when all the high is gone and all the whatever is gone and you wake up the next day, not only is Goliath still there with a bigger sword than you in his hand, you're so tired and beat up and condemned and guilty and dirty and broken down and hung over that you don't, it just takes even more fight away from you. That's why we encourage ourselves in the Lord and we do not medicate ourselves. Can I have an amen on that? Great. Clap real good if you're going to clap. Come on, everybody clap once. Praise God. Hallelujah. So we're not, wait a minute, we're not just talking big. We are talking big, but we're not just talking big. This is where we live. Now, we don't sing a lot of hymns in, uh, in our kind of churches. We sing more like psalms, you know. And um, But I remember an old hymn. Maybe some of you old timers will remember. This was a beautiful hymn. Count your blessings. Name them. Do you know it? Name them one by one. Count your many blessings and see what the Lord has done. Woohoo! That's pretty good. If I could sing, I'd sing it to you right now. But there's no reason to ruin a good meeting. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Yeah. But, but see, when things aren't going just right, pressure sets in, discipline. Appointment sets in. Oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do next. Sets in. It's not so easy to look back and count your blessings. It's not, I, I, I haven't said a thing yet tonight that said this was easy. But you better do it. And you better be ready to do it. Amen. Well, I not only led Marines, I trained Marines. I worked for the recruit battalion in San Diego for a while. And then I worked out at shooter school at Camp Pendleton. Um, and so, you know, when, when we told Marines the very first time to, to lock and load, not, not in a paper target. And, um, and you said lock and load. All of a sudden this reality set in. You could see it in their face. This is not a drill. Are you listening? So, we would train amphibious or insertion marines, different groups, etc. And uh, we, would, we would make that thing, these war games, and, you know, sometimes outside of San Onofre, we'd do beach landings, you know, in those days. And we made it so real. We made it as real as we could without really drawing your blood. I mean... We'd have those fighters come in, low, those short-range bombers come in low, man. They're sucking little brush out of the ground right behind them and blowing dirt all over. Bang! We'd drop stuff, blow up mines on the beach. But yet, as real as we could make it feel, 
Everybody knew this is just a war game. This is just practice. But a day comes. A day comes when the boss says, lock and load. The day comes where I stick my head on a helicopter on a flight deck of a carrier and look a bunch of leathernecks in the face and say, there's not a, this is not a practice run, guys. There's a, we're going we're gonna to land in a hot LZ, landing zone. Hot means the enemy's there to shoot. We're landing in hot LZs today in enemy territory. And um, uh, you better do what you were trained to do because even then it's possible some of us will get hurt and maybe somebody will have to send you home to mama in a bag in a box. But, we are, but, but we're not leaving you here. But just remember, this, there's no game about this. All of a sudden you can see in their face, the, oh my God, this is the real deal. This is, this is no longer practice. There comes a time in a Christian's life that practice is over. Your pastor and his team will run you through the rigors. I mean, how many times are we going to study the same Bible verses? How many times are we going to sing the same songs? How many Sunday mornings are we going to meet together? How many midweek services, prayer meetings, intercessors meetings, ministry of helps meetings, training meetings, usher meetings, over and over and over and over and over and over and over. But one day, because of the big bad wolf and, the, and Goliath, you're going to realize, oh my God, there ain't a practice thing about this. And on that day, that's a tough day to try to remember what you've been taught. But you better. Because uh, if you don't, are we going to watch you divorce? Are we going to do your funeral? Are we going to watch you? Is it one of your children that you're going to lose? Is it your money? Are you going broke? Listen, listen, listen to me. The enemy's for real whether you are or not. You might be churchy, you know. Like when I say I'm God-possessed, another way to say that is that I'm not a double agent. I don't have a foot in the world and one in the kingdom. My mouth isn't used by both God and the devil. My money isn't used by both God and the devil. Where my feet take me is not one day for the devil and the world and another day for God. I'm not a double agent. And I would challenge you, if you are one, you better get choosing the right side and get yourself totally out of that world. Praise God. Hallelujah. This lady came to me one day in, in my home church in Michigan. And she said, um, I, Brother, Brother Barclay, Pastor, uh, I, I just can't, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I'm done. I said, you can't? You're done with what? I just, I just can't do it. I just, I can't take nothing else. It's one thing after the other. <clears throat> I said, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. She goes, no, 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 I can't. Uh, yes. <laughs> I told her, yes, you can. And she said, no, I can't. I've had it. This is it. I said, yes, you can. So now she gets mad at me. She's just a little squirt like you are. 
But she gets right here in my face like this and pokes me in the chest. This is, that's not a good thing to do. But because she's a little pretty little girl, you know, she's a grown-up woman, but she's pretty. And Mama said never hit a girl. And so, uh, you know, she's right in my face and she's poking me in the chest. Josh, and she's saying, she's saying, I'm trying to tell you and you're not listening to me. I am done. I can't take no more. I said, yes, you can. Now she's really mad. And she stomps her feet and says, how can you say that, Pastor? I said, oh, because uh, you've been going to church here about 20 years and this isn't the first time you've come and said you were done. It's not the first time you had it. It's not the first time you were hurt. It's not the first time you really honest to God felt defeat. I wasn't making light of her battle. Her battle was real. Preachers, we don't ever make fun of your battle. Don't ever take us that way. We understand warfare. She really was in a battle. This was a good Christian, but she really, in her mind, she had had it. Except for, where do you go? Oh, you don't want to fight today? Then just run across that valley and see if they tell the enemy, go ahead and shoot. I'm not going to fight today. The same is true in the spirit realm. So I said, listen, you need to stop it. And you need to, you need to stay after church and kneel down at that altar. And you need to think about all the times you were done before and all the times something hurt you. I mean hurt you. You could tell she was hurting. And how many things are broken and didn't work for you. Even ha- You know, the devil wants to make sure that half the stuff we preach doesn't work for you. Gets you to distrust the preacher and distrust the God of the preacher. And distrust your Bible like, well, I know, but it must work for others, but it don't work for me. So I said, darling, you're not going to quit. That's an order. You're going to get your... Blessed assurance to that altar right after church, and you're going to kneel down, and you're going to stay there all night if you have to, and you're going to start reminiscing every time God ever showed up for you in the past, and how He did it, and then you're going to rise up, and you're going to say, God did it before, He's going to do it again, and again, and again, and again. I interrupted you. Clap real good. Come on, do it once. Praise God. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right, one more verse. Can you handle one more verse? Psalm 119. Yeah. Psalm 119. Praise God. Hallelujah. Psalm 119. And uh, I'm going to verse 52. If you're there, say, I'm ready. If you're not, say, wait a minute. Okay, hurry up. This is really cool. Listen to this. I remembered, remembered, I remembered thy judgments of old. Look up here a minute. The word remember doesn't mean a fleeting thought from your past. Remember mean I stopped it. Now, what was that? What was that? What was that guy's name? What was his name? What was his name? Vicky, do you remember his name? What are we doing? 
we're working at remembering. Now, if you run into somebody like I see my old friend Bill Carter back here, a good preacher, man. And uh, I've known him forever. I don't look that old that he does. But anyways, uh, the minute I saw him, I didn't have to remember his name. I didn't have to say, oh, man, I know that guy. I know that guy. What's his name? Um, no, I didn't have to remember because it just came to me and I had it. But remember means you're working at it. To, to withdraw that information from your library. That's why this verse says, I remembered thy judgments of old. This guy here is taking time to look back to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I, I got to take a minute here and call to remembrance. I've got a call to remembrance. I got to remember how God has moved for me before. So he said, I remember thy judgments of old, O Lord. And look at this. And what? And what? And have comforted myself. There's something really strong when you tell your testimony to yourself. You know the old saying, watch out if you talk to yourself, but you're really in trouble if you answer. But I'm telling you, you better talk to yourself and you better answer. You better talk to yourself. You better, I better. Look past over our life and see how God made judgment calls and say, I'm going to be okay. I'm in the hands of God. That whole thing. You, you'll look back and you'll say, wait, 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 honey. That whole thing was out of our control. We didn't, I mean, we don't know why it happened. We don't know how it happened. We just know it happened. And we thought we were doomed. And remember what happened? Remember what happened? Let's take a minute and remember what happened. One of my Vicky's favorite verses is Micah 7, 8. It says, Don't you gloat over me, my enemies, for though I have fallen, I shall rise back up again. And though I set by myself in darkness, my God's going to be my light. So what, what's that verse all about? That man of God, the prophet of God, is saying, Don't you have a party yet, Satan? Yeah, you may have me down. This thing may have me discouraged. I may not know what move to make yet, but I can tell you this, I am not done, and I will rise up again, and my God will show up, and I will win this battle. Shout once. Go ahead and clap once. Shout and clap once, praise God. Glory to God. You need to build an emergency kit. I had this emergency kit once. Uh, someone, you know how, uh, I don't know if they have them anymore, but there, there used to be these little glass, little boxes that hung on the wall of hotels or schools. And it had a chain and a little brass little thing to break the glass. And uh, it said, and, and inside, years ago inside of it was an axe. Then, then it turned into a fire extinguisher. Pastor probably remembers the axe. I remember the fire extinguisher. But nonetheless, and there goes my love offering again. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, uh, and it had, in, in case of emergency, or sometimes it said in case of fire, 
in case of emergency, break the glass. Okay, it was pretty cool. David, they gave me, one of my friends gave me this beautiful wooden box, had a glass cover with vinyl letters on it, in case of emergency, break glass. And inside of it was a Reese's peanut butter cup. Don't look so jealous. How many like Reese's peanut butter cups? The rest of you need total deliverance. So uh, I had that. It was kind of cool, and I threw it in my office. And I don't know, months later, for all I know, the Reese's has grown worms. But weeks later, I come home off a trip. I went into my study, uh, Pastor Bernie, to, and there was, uh, there was that box, and the glass was broken. And the Reese's was gone, and the paper was wadded up and just thrown on there. So I started, yeah, I went to my boys first. Josh, my son, and James, my son-in-law. I said, all right, which one of you? Well, what knows, Pastor? So now I'm on a search, see? And I'm, I'm good at search and seizure. I'm also pretty good at search and destroy. And so, I, you know, I'm a recon guy, so I started reconnoitering the whole situation. And I finally found the guy. And I said, let me get this straight, Smitty. Let me get this. That's my number one armor bearer. So let me get this straight. I'm out of town. You go in my office. You break the glass. You eat my Reese's. And you leave the paper. What kind of deal is this? He said, it was an emergency. (laughs) Oh, I see. Sure it was. Um, Years ago... I made myself a spiritual emergency kit. And as we wrap up our message tonight, if you've never done this, I encourage you to do it. It's re- because, you know, life is serious. It isn't all just fun. And, uh, and I learned this, that when you're really under attack, um, then that, it's just a, you can do it, but it's a hard time to go look up your favorite verse and, Try to find some prophetic utterance that was given over. I don't know what all's in your kit. So I made me a little kit to travel with because I'm a traveling guy. And, uh, you could make one. And if you're not, if you don't travel, you can make one next to your chair or your bed or your desk or something. So I made my little kit. Now in my kit, I put, um, I put in there like 10 of my, of, of Bible verses that really mean something to me. I wrote them out, or you, or typed them out. Originally, I wrote them out, and then I, then you could type them out. I put one verse per index card, and that's it. Now you don't want to put the reference because in the time of deep battle, like in the middle of the night, it's real hard to find to get your Bible, get a flashlight, and honestly, if you've ever been in the valley of the shadow of death, your energy's about gone. It zaps you. It's, it's a real deal. Fear's trying to get on you. It literally chokes the energy out of you. So I, I type them up and I put those index cards right inside my little emergency kit. The other thing I put in there was any prophetic utterances or words of knowledge, you know, that have been spoken over me that I feel like they're legit. I've had a lot of words, you know, spoken over me, but I don't receive most of them, and uh, but there are those that I do. So I had them typed out so I could read them, 
and I have them folded up and in my little kit, but I also have them now on a USB drive, the, the, the oral part, the, the audio, so that I also can hear them. So when I'm in deep, deep, deep warfare, I get those out because that's not a prophet talking to you, darling. That's God talking to you. And it will remind you who you are and what you are and, and, uh, and locate you. Are you listening? I also put in there uh, a couple of notes. A couple of notes. I have a little note in mind from Dr. Lester Sumrall. Do you know that name? Dr. Sumrall was one of my dads. Not Mr. Sumrall, the football announcer, but Lester Sumrall, the fierce preacher. I have a little note in there that one time I was going through a hard time and he wrote me a don't quit note. You know, you won't quit. You don't quit. We don't surrender. You know, your little pep talk. And at the end, he said, I thought you were a United States Marine. Do or die. Semper Fi. I thought I couldn't quit now if I wanted to. That's against the code, man. And then I have a note in there from Dodie Osteen, my spiritual mom. God has a way. I, Vicky and I were going. I, you know, there's been times I felt like I'm not doing this. I quit. I don't, I don't ever say it. And it's been a long time, but there were those times that things just weren't working. It's very discouraging. And one day, I had told Vicky, I said, honestly, honey, um, I think I'm going to go do something else besides preach. Of course, she tried to encourage me different. That don't work. You know, hug me, kiss me, hold me, but don't coach me. You know, don't be my mom, be my wife. Now, you might be different, but that's the way I am. And so she tried, you know, it didn't work. And the mail came and I went out, you know, I'm in one of those days, I'm like O.P. Taylor kicking the can down the road, you know. If if you're under 50, don't worry about that illustration. And I went out to the mailbox, I got the mail, come back in, I just kind of threw it on the table. And I walked by and I looked back and there was a little card and the corner of it said Dodie Osteen. Well, I thought it was for Vicky. Dodie never wrote me a card or Something, well, so, but out of curiosity, I said, Vicki, it looks like Mama Dodie wrote you a card. Really? So she come out and picked it up. She goes, no, this is addressed to you. Me? So I opened it up. And I, I got it right here with me. I carry, I've carried it with me now for uh, 32 years. It's, my, it's part of my emergency kit. And one little card, about four sentences. Son, I had a dream about you last night. God showed me what big things He's going to use you to do. Now, whoever's telling you to quit, you don't. Because you can't see your future, but I can. I love you, Mama Dodie. That was it. That was it. That don't sound too big, spiritual. She didn't even say, thus saith the Lord. What kind of Pentecostal note is this? But that thing hit me deep in my soul. And here's why it did. Because how did she know that on this day, I really was going through one of the worst days of my life to quit. And her card came in the mail. You can't time that. Because, hey, I don't, I don't know how the mail is here, but up in Michigan, they're still like riding the horse to get you in the mail almost, you know. So somehow God perfectly planned to give her that dream 
perfectly planned whenever she was going to write it down, seal it, lick the envelope, put a stamp on it, and mail it. And God knew the perfect timing of getting that card from Houston, Texas to Midland, Michigan, and me grabbing it on that down day. It was probably in my mailbox for two or three days. I don't know. And and then throw it on the table and even have my eye recognize it. That, my friend, is how big God is. So anytime, anytime God does something big like that for you, throw that in your emergency kit. Throw that. See, I grew up fatherless. My daddy got sick and couldn't be a dad and died when I was basically a kid, me and my three brothers. Mama did a great job, by the way, but, my, but no dad. And so one day when John Osteen, this is back in the 70s, I had never met John before, and Brother Osteen said, Come over here, son. I said, yes, sir. He said, uh, what do you do? I said, well, I, I, I'm working a little bit with the Marines still, and I'm going to get out pretty soon, and I'm a preacher. I, I'm going to Bible college. And he said, well, I don't know what it is, but I'm supposed to be your dad. I'm supposed to be your dad. I said, like, like my dad? Like I, I told him, I said, sir, I don't have a dad. Are, 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 you're not just saying that, right? Don't just say it. No, son, I, I'm, I just felt impressed of the Holy Ghost be your dad. Okay. Well, I ran back in the meeting, told Vicky, I said, you're not going to believe what happened. John Osteen just called me over and said he's going to be my dad, and he was going to call me. You know, Vicky's always been a few steps ahead of me, you know, and... Uh, she said, uh, did you think maybe to get a phone number to him? I'll be right back. But he was gone. He had left. I'm thinking, how would he ever find me? I'm a nobody from nowhere. It was about two weeks. And the phone rang in our office. And it was John Osteen. And he said, uh, is this Mark Barclay? Uh, uh, yes, sir. This is your dad. Now see, if you got a dad, that probably mean nothing to you. But I said, hang on a minute, and I knelt at my chair, and I, I'm not even an emotional guy. I don't try not to be emotional. I'm just not. I knelt at my chair, Josh, and I couldn't stop tears coming down my face. This guy means it. This guy means it. So on that day, he told me something to write down, and I wrote it down. 1970, this would be 76. <coughs> I wrote it down and I put it in my, it's still in my emergency kit. Because anytime I feel alone and I don't have anyone to, that I really feel believes in me and mostly nobody to turn to, now I can't turn to him now, he's in heaven. But I wrote it down and whenever I'm really fighting hard and things are tough, I pull that little note out. And I said, no, no, Mark Barclay, no. A man like John Osteen believed in you, and you're his son, and he was your natural dad as well as your spiritual dad, and you're not going to disappoint him or ruin his legacy or taint his name. You're going to be a good son. And one of the things Brother Osteen said, you're going to, you're going to get knocked down many times, son. You just remember, write it down. You will rise back up again, and you will fight Life through. Isn't that powerful? It's powerful. 
Now, I, I got to go, I know, but you got to go, or we got to go, or I don't know how to say it. I'm hungry. <laughs> I preach myself hungry. Um, I also have in my, I'm just giving you some hints. I have in my emergency kit a picture of my Vicky. Now, I met her at 13. She's the only girl I've ever kissed, the only girl I've ever known. And we dated through junior high and high school. We got married the minute we turned 18. And we've been married now uh, 48 years. And it's been wonderful. Amen. And, uh, and I stand before God to tell you it's been nothing but a storybook marriage. We very seldom have had a bump in the road in almost 50 years. I understand not everybody has that, but we, but we do. And uh, so I have a picture of Vicki. Uh, when she was a teenager. And I have that picture. She's almost 18. Hika Mo Shunda. What a chick. <laughs> Whoa! Glory to God! I keep it up. I'm flying home tonight. Hallelujah. I'm out of here. Praise God. And um, the reason I keep that picture is because I was so beat up by demons that I'm no good, I'm a nobody. You know, when you're poor, they tell you you're not worth anything. I'm not poor anymore, but, you know, I don't get it. I used to be, you know, you know, dirt poor, and now they say filthy rich. Why is it always got to be dirty or filthy? Isn't that amazing? I never, Pastor Janice, I never thought, Vicky would say yes, even though I'm the only boy she ever knew. I so loved this girl. I still do. It blew me away. Even though, you know, kids, we talked about, well, one day, who knows, we'll probably get married. And what do you think we're going to do? And if we did, how many kids you're going to have? But we never really got down to serious until I got down to serious. And, and the day come to really ask her, you know. I went and asked her dad first. And uh, her dad said, uh, you love my daughter? Yes, sir. Yeah. And you want to marry her? Yes, sir. He stood up, took his wallet out, counted out 10 $100 bills, which is a lot of money in 1970. Put them on the table. And he said, if you really love this girl, take my truck Take this $1,000 and get her as far away from her mother as you can get her. (laughs) Go elope right now and just send me a card so I know you're okay. And if you run out of money, let me know and I'll I'll send you some. It's like, wow, really? Guess we just learned that marriage wasn't so hot, you know. I didn't do that, by the way. But I have that picture and I put it in my emergency kit. Because when things are really bad... I pull that picture out and I say, Lord, this is that girl that I never thought would say yes, but she did. I love this girl. And I'm very grateful for her. Amen. Amen. Well, there's other things in my kit, but I think I'm boring you now. But I, Well, I'll tell you one more thing that's in my kit. There's other things, but you got to build your own. Something that moves you. Now, I will admit... It's not real spiritual. 
But I do have in my emergency kit a Reese's peanut butter cup. I know they're of God because they bring joy. No, no, bad doctrine, bad doctrine, bad doctrine. Now, you know, I used to train, I went through this training myself first. Then I would train Marines for certain missions. And uh, they would hang us from our ankles in a dark room. And I mean a dark room. You couldn't see nothing. Disassemble our pistols and throw them in a pile. And you had so many minutes, not too many minutes, so many minutes hanging like that to assemble that weapon, make it work, and yell, you know, something to the instructor. And if you didn't do it, you couldn't be part of this team. You had to perfect certain things. It wasn't just regular troops. Nothing wrong with regular troops, but this is... So I learned how to do stuff like this in the dark. So you see, I, in the middle of the night, can reach over to my emergency kit and take that Reese's out. And I know this finger right here can slide. You flip that Reese's over, you slide it right down the factory seal. Slowly open it. They're on cards. You can't go wrong. They rest heavenly on a card. And now Vicky has this dog, furball dog. And uh, I can open that Reese's, take the paper off, pick up a cup, take it out of the little paper cup it's in, and eat it. And even the dog doesn't wake up. Hoorah. Yeah. But I have a new thing I'm adding now, and that's Josh Samples, who makes the best coffee on the entire planet. And now I'm adding you to my emergency kit. So I have no, how, I have no idea if I'm in Singapore or Hoogala Boogala or Australia or Great Britain or Midland, Michigan, how you're going to get it to me. But I feel like that's your deal. <laughs> Amen. Get your passport up to date. Get your little to-go bag ready just in case I have a bad day sometime. Amen. Hey, did I help you at all? Give the Lord a good hand clap. Come on. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.